Well, I'm not going to answer that question, but if you want to know whether or not I'm saved, tune in tonight at 6 o'clock for our session four living room chat as we discuss uh, a lot of the things that I'm going to be preaching about today. If I haven't met you before, I'm Clayton King, one of the pastors here. I'm honored to be able to preach today. We're in a series called We Believe, and this is the year of the Bible at New Spring Church. And what we're doing all year is we're emphasizing the scriptures. That's why 18,000 plus of our church family have signed up to read through the Bible this year. And I'm gonna speak prophetically and say that when we get into the future, a year, five years, 10 years down the road, we'll begin to see the fruit of what God does through his people when his people collectively, 18,000 strong, begin to read the Bible and let the Bible change us. I'm believing that. And today I get the honor of preaching about something that we believe in. So this series called We Believe is our attempt to teach our people, to show you what we actually believe about doctrine and theology. And I just want to help you understand, we're not making this stuff up. When we preach these messages about what we believe, about what the Bible teaches, we're not consulting culture to see what culture believes. We're not learning our theology from the world. We're not checking the political temperature to see where we need to land. We are going to this book right here, a book that I have staked my life on, a book that I have staked my eternity on, a a book that we are building our church upon. This is the living, active, sharp word of God. And it outlives and it outlasts all of its critics and everybody that challenges it. And we're going to stake the future of our church on this book because this book is God's revelation to us of who he is, what he's like, and how Jesus came to save us. Y'all can say amen across all of our campuses if you want to because I'm fired up. Now, I uh, get to preach a message today that for me, honestly, in 35 minutes, feels like I need to summit Mount Everest without oxygen, barefooted, and come back down. Because I'm going to tackle some things today that we need to know, that we need to understand that the Bible teaches us. We're going to talk about eternity, heaven, hell, eternal security, the return of Christ, final judgment, and then I'm going to explain calculus on top of all of that. So, not going to talk about calculus. I want us to dive in to this passage today, to this scripture today, and to this uh, message today, but I want to make sure you understand why we believe what we believe as a church. We're, we're putting a stake in the ground, and we're telling our people that there are some things that, that we believe that the Bible teaches, and I want you to understand that we're not just consulting the culture, we're actually going somewhere so that we can know why we believe what we believe, and we believe what we believe Because Jesus believed it, and the Bible teaches it. We didn't form a council, me and Brad and Dan and Meredith and Shane and and, and our leaders. We didn't get together and decide, okay, what do we believe? No, we let the Bible teach us what we believe, and we see that if Jesus believed it and the Bible teaches it, we're going to build our church upon it. So my heart today is to be clear and to be kind, because to be unclear is not to be kind, it's actually cruel to be unclear, especially on something as important as eternity, as where you're going to spend forever. And so we want to be very clear with what we believe in today. My main goal and my heart and my prayer has been 
that when I'm preaching this message, you would know the love of God for you. That when we talk about eternity and heaven and hell and judgment, that you would not be taken aback by the horror of the reality of hell without God, but that you would be amazed at the grace of God, that he would love you so much, that he would make a way for you to go to heaven, that he would provide a way for you to be saved, that he would care enough about us to warn us of a terrible place that we need to avoid. It is the kindness of God, Romans says, that leads us to repentance. And even in a message on heaven, hell, and eternity, I want the kindness of God, the love of our Father to be at the forefront of my message and to really land on your hearts. That's my prayer for us today. So we're going to see what the Bible teaches and what Jesus believed about these issues. First of all, I want to make a very clear statement and then we'll look at some scripture. First of all, today, I want you to know as a church, we believe in the return of Christ and final judgment. We believe in it. Why do we believe in the return of Christ? Why do we believe that everyone will stand before God one day and give an account for their life? We believe those things because Jesus believed them and the Bible teaches them. Now, to be clear, when we talk about the return of Christ, we believe in a literal, physical, tangible return of Jesus. That Jesus is not going to just hover above the planet, that it's not just a symbolic return. No, no. We believe that the actual, literal, resurrected Son of God will come to this earth, will plant his feet on this ground, and will create a new heaven and a new earth, that this earth we live on right now will not just disappear and, and, and vanish, that we will be able to live forever in a brand new, perfected creation that is redeemed to what God originally wanted it to be. And that when Jesus comes, I believe, we believe that we will be able to see the scars in his wrists, the scars on his feet, the scar in his side from the spear, the place where the crown of thorns was beaten down upon his head, and that those scars will forever tell the story of Jesus redeeming the human race and dying on the cross in our place so that we would not have to be punished like we deserve for our sin. We believe in the return of Jesus. He will come back. And like some of the old school preachers used to say, when Jesus comes back, he's not coming back to take sides. He's coming back to take charge. He came as a suffering servant the first time. He's coming as reigning king of kings the second time. And can I just tell you, New Spring, y'all my people, I got my cowboy boots on today. I might get a little loose up here. I am ready for Jesus to come back anytime God wants him to. Now, we might be 5,000 years later. We might live in, well, we won't live another 5,000 years, but, I mean, you're going to be dead in 5,000 years. I'm going to tell you one way or another, you're going to die. But if it's five more minutes before he comes back or 5,000 years before he comes back, I am looking forward to his appearing. And I want to show you what the scriptures teach us, what the Bible says, and what Jesus believed about the return of Christ and final judgment. The writer of Hebrews says in verses, uh, chapter 9, verses 27 through 28, And just as it is appointed for people to die once, and after this judgment, notice the sequence, everyone dies, we die once, and then we're immediately judged. This is in contrast to our friends from other faiths and religions who believe that you die many times. 
hundreds if not thousands of times. I've been to India seven times myself, and my Hindu friends believe in reincarnation. But that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you die one time, and after this you're judged. And verse 28 says, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, come on, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He's already paid the penalty of our sin. So when he comes back, there is no more sacrifice for him to make. His blood was good enough the first time. His death was good enough the first time. His resurrection meant that we too can be resurrected. So when he comes back, there is no more sin to bear. There is only salvation to bring. And who gets that salvation? Those who are waiting for him. I'm waiting for him. I'm looking for him. I'm ready for him. I'm excited about him coming back. And it's not that I just want to be raptured out of here and taken away from this world. I'm going to work while it is day because Jesus said night is coming when no one can work, and I hope that I die empty. I hope I leave it all on the field for Jesus. But when he comes back, I will not be mad about it. I'm waiting for him. He's coming back. Now I want to show you what the scriptures tell us from Matthew 7, 21 through 23, because this is what Jesus believed about the second coming and final judgment. This is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Matthew 7, 21, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, what day? Judgment day, the end of days, or as the ancient leaders of the church used to call it, the day of all days. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name, and then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Wow. He didn't say, I used to know you, then I forgot you. I knew you once, but now I don't know you anymore. I knew you, but then you left me and you ran away from me and you jumped out of my hand and you left the church. No, 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 no. I never knew you at all. What does that mean? That means on final judgment day when Jesus does return and we all stand before God individually to give an account for our lives, there will be people who think that because they were religious that they will get into heaven in the kingdom of God and they will be surprised. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite Christian writers, C.S. Lewis, said this about judgment day. We shall then, for the first time, see everyone as he really was. There will be surprises. So on Judgment Day, there will be a lot of folks who think they're going to heaven who will not go. There will be other folks that we thought or that religious people thought there's no way that guy's going to heaven. There's no way that woman has a relationship with Jesus. There's no way that God forgave that person of their sins. And the Bible says that those people will actually enter into heaven ahead of the religious folks who thought that they had a free ticket in just because of their good works. And I want to pause right here and I want to say something. I feel like there is somebody right now. I don't do this very often. I feel like there's somebody right now and I feel like it's at the Columbia campus. 
This is your last chance to hear the gospel and respond. This is your last chance. Something may happen in your life that you didn't predict. And I want you to know it is the grace of God, it is the love of Jesus, it is the mercy of Christ compelling you right now to prepare by giving your life to Jesus in case you never have another chance to. And I'm just going to leave that right where it's at because you'll know who you are. The second thing that we believe, we believe in heaven and hell. Clearly stated, there are two places that we can choose from to spend our eternity. We believe in heaven and hell. Before I read the scriptures to you, I want to just um, mention some of the problems a lot of people have with this concept. People have said to me and still say to me, I can't believe that a loving God would send people to hell. And I want to show you from the scriptures, God doesn't send anybody to hell. God does not send humans to hell. If a human winds up in hell, they go there because they resisted the Holy Spirit and they rejected God's graceful offer of salvation free of charge if we would repent of sin and trust Christ. God doesn't send people to hell. What God does do is God honors a person's decision in this life as to whether or not they wanted to follow Christ. And some people would say, well, it's not just of God or fair of God or loving of God to create a place called hell. People think, and many people believe, that everybody will go to heaven. That's called universalism. We don't believe in universalism at New Spring because the Bible doesn't teach universalism. Universalism says, ultimately, God will save everybody. But if that were the case, think about this with me. If God eventually forced everybody to go to heaven, then that means he would be forcing people who in their life of their own free will and conscience said, I will not be a Christian. I don't want to repent of my sins. I've got nothing to repent of. I don't need to be born again. I was born okay the first time. Why would a loving God violate a person's decision and free will to force them to spend eternity in heaven worshiping a God that they would not choose to worship or follow when they were alive and they had their own free will with which to choose. So people have a hard time thinking about the concept of hell, but I want to show you what the Bible says and what Jesus believed about heaven and hell. We'll start off in the words of Jesus, Matthew 25. This is Jesus speaking, not my opinion, not New Spring's opinion, the words of Jesus in Matthew 25, 31 through 34, Jesus says this. He prophesies about his own return. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on the left. Then the king, Jesus our king, king of all kings, Lord of all lords, ruler and sovereign over all creation, will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now we skip to verse 41. Then Jesus will also say, the king will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, that's hell, prepared for who? The devil and his angels. Hell was not prepared for you. God didn't make hell for me and you. 
God did not create hell as a place of eternal conscious torment for humans. He created it for the devil and his angels. So if a person winds up in hell, they wind up in a place that God never intended for them to go. It's a real place, though. I want to go on record and tell you that we believe hell is actually a real place. It's not figurative. It's not symbolic. It's not something that we just dreamed up. It's not something that was taken from or stolen from ancient literature. Jesus spoke of it. Jesus warned us. And in verse 46, he says, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There are two places we go, heaven or hell. Hell or heaven. And I want to tell you that I, every day, I wake up amazed that I don't have to go to hell. I am going to heaven, and I'm not going to heaven because I'm a good guy. I'm not. I'm going to heaven because Jesus cared about me enough to die for me. I'm going to heaven because God, my Father, made a way for my sin and the shame and the guilt and the regret to be taken off of my shoulders. I'm going to heaven because of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. I'm going to heaven because I received this great offer of salvation. I'm going to heaven because of God. I'm going to heaven in spite of me. I believe that God has been preparing a place for me since the foundations of the world because Jesus just said it. But I would like to go to heaven if I lived in a cardboard box on the side of I-85. I would rather go to heaven than go anywhere else because Jesus will be there. And forever, ever, and ever, I'm going to get to be with him. And I'm going to get to worship him. And I'm going to get to be with my sisters and my brothers. And I don't know what else heaven is going to be like. But I am going to eternal life because I am righteous. And why am I righteous? Because the righteousness of Jesus has been applied to my life. And that's what we believe. Now let me take you to the end of the book of the Bible, the last one, Revelation 20. And let me show you what John writes about heaven and hell. Verse 10, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You see there again, it wasn't created for you and for me, it was created for the devil. Verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it, earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, please pay attention to this, the great and the small standing before the throne. That word standing is important. I grew up hearing preachers say, warning me as a kid, as a teenager, and I wanna be in that, I wanna be in that group of preachers who warns you to say, you're going to stand before God. I'm not doing my job as a pastor if I don't tell you that. I'm going to stand before God. I will. I will stand before God just like you. And I will give an account for what I do when I'm on this stage and a microphone is strapped to my head. I'm going to give an account for what I look at on my phone. I'm going to give an account for how I spend my money and what I tie to this church. I'm going to give an account for how I love my wife and how I treat my children. We're going to stand before God, before a throne. And when we get there, books are going to be opened. That's what it says. Books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by what? was written in the books. Why will there be books at Judgment Day? So, so that there will be no confusion about what happened. The books will give an account and a record of our life. 
Now, I will not, if you're a Christian, you will not stand before judgment to be cast into hell. No, 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 no. If you're a Christian, the judgment that we will have to give an account for is what we did with what God gave us. So it's not a judgment where we are punished. It is a judgment where we are rewarded or not rewarded for what we did with our life. And the next verse, verse 13, the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each one was judged according to their works. So as of this moment right now, I want you to know, you can't say no one ever told me. That's a heavy responsibility. But for a Christian, that should bring great joy. It should bring lightness of heart because we know that we were already judged in Christ and now we get to use the gifts that God has given us to build the kingdom. Now let me show you what it says in verse 14 and 15. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. We believe in heaven and hell. Why? Because Jesus believed it and because the Bible teaches it. The prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, said this. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees. Let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. So this is my attempt today to wrap my arms around your knees. And to say, you can go to heaven. You can experience eternal life now. You don't have to wait until you're dead to experience eternal life. You can start now by giving your life to Jesus now. Because heaven is not just a place you go to. Heaven is something that comes to you. It's Jesus in you, the hope of glory. And I want to try to, in, my, in my last few minutes to tackle one more topic. What do we as a church believe about eternal security? Well, we believe in it. We believe in eternal security. Okay, now let me, let me show you my roots here for a second. Now that means something different if you're a guy or a woman. Um, I have no roots. Um, I'm talking about my spiritual roots, my church roots. I was raised Baptist, Presbyterian, and Pentecostal. Parents were Southern Baptist, Presbyterian Christian school for 10, 10 or 11 years, and my grandfather's Pentecostal. So I had all sorts of different opinions preached at me about once saved, always saved. And people still ask me, Clayton, do you believe in once saved, always saved? Let, let me ask a better question because I don't think that's the right question to ask. I think some people think, well, I prayed a prayer, I raised my hand, uh, I, I walked the aisle, I went to VBS, I went to Gauntlet, I got baptized, I got confirmed, I went through the confirmation classes, uh, I got dedicated as a baby, so I'm going to heaven. And so oftentimes the concept of once saved, always saved leads people to think, I can believe I'm going to heaven but live like hell for the rest of my life, and I'm okay. And if that is your attitude, you are not saved by Jesus. You're not. Because if the Spirit of God saves you, he changes you fundamentally from the inside out. And a true follower of Jesus would never say to themselves, once saved, always saved, I'm going to heaven so now I can party, now I can sleep around, I can cheat on my wife, I can get a divorce and marry somebody else, I can steal money from the church, I, I don't have to go to church, I, I can live however I want to. That is not the attitude of a believer. But we do believe in eternal security. So the better question is not, do you believe in once saved, always saved? The better question is, is a person truly, authentically born again the first time? That's the real question. 
So let me tell you why we believe in eternal security. Uh, Two reasons, because the Bible teaches it and Jesus believed it. Here we go. I'll show you. In Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, Paul writes, In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. So when you believe in Jesus, you are sealed. You are sealed with who? The Holy Spirit. Verse 14, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. So when you hear the gospel, that's what it says, and you believe the word of truth, that's what it says, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, it's what it says. So get rid of this nonsense idea that you can walk away from Jesus if you're really saved. You couldn't break the seal of the Holy Spirit. You think you're stronger than the Holy Spirit? Nobody is. It's not just the Holy Spirit that seals us. Let me show you what um, Jesus said about eternal security. This is John 10, 28 through 30. I didn't make this up. Jesus said it. I'm just reading it. Verse 28, I give them eternal life, um, not temporary life, not momentary life, eternal life, and they will never perish. Not they might perish, they could perish. If they do the wrong things, they might perish. No, no, they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Whose hand? Jesus' hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Hands that have scars from a crucifixion to prove he's Jesus. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Oh, and by the way, I and the father, we're one. If you see me, you see the father. If you're looking for the father, look at me because I'm him and he's me. Okay, can I point out to you what I just read to you from the scripture? The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit are all not only involved in your salvation, they are invested in your salvation. You are in the Father's hand and nothing can take you out. You are in Jesus' hands and nothing can take you out. And on top of all of that, bonus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit and he is a deposit that guarantees your inheritance. I do not use that assurance of salvation to give me a license to do whatever I want to do. I am constantly amazed that I can be assured that Jesus is with me and he'll never leave me and there is no demon in hell. There is no deconstructionist uh, person. There is no expert in theology that can talk me out of or pluck me out of his hand. We want to give you assurance, church. We want you to live knowing that you have eternal security. As a matter of fact, I've got one more verse I'd like to show you. 1 John 5, 13. John, Jesus' best friend, who also wrote the book of Revelation, wrote 1 John. And in 1 John 5, 13, he says this. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you might know that you have eternal life. And where he wants some of us to know, a lot of us just hope, we wish, we dream, we think, but he wants you to know. And you can know. How can you know? (laughs) Believe. Believe that Jesus died for you. 
Believe he's alive. Believe he's coming back. Believe he's resurrected. Believe he can take away your sin. Believe it enough to ask him in. I invited a guy to come hear me preach. Uh, I work out at the Anderson YMCA. Hey, Miss Donna. It's my favorite place where I do a lot of ministry. Now I invited a guy to come hear me preach. He said, preacher, what you preaching on this Sunday? I like it when people call me preacher. It tells me they are from the South. And I said, uh, preaching on heaven and hell. You want to come hear me? He goes, yeah, I might just do that. I don't, I don't go to your church. I've never been there, but I hear a lot of good things about it. I said, well, how about you, buddy? Do you know if you're going to heaven or hell when you die? And here's what he said to me. That's up to God. I have no idea. I looked him straight in the eyes and I said, no. That's what Muslims believe. Our Muslim friends believe that. They have a phrase, inshallah. And inshallah in Arabic means if God is willing. Muslims never know if they're going to go to heaven or hell when they die. They think that God just arbitrarily picks. We're Christians. We believe that we can know. And we can know because we believe. And when you believe in Jesus, you can know. And that's what I want to invite you to do right now. I want to invite you to know if you never have. I'm done preaching. Let's do some business with God. Could you close your eyes and open your hearts right now? I sense the Spirit of God answering questions, settling doubts. I sense so many of you right now ready to respond to the gospel and the good news of this message. So if you want to give your life to Christ right now, if you are ready to be saved right now, you can leave the doubts and the fears and the uncertainties behind. You don't have to leave New Spring today like my buddy at the YMCA going, well, I have no idea. You can leave knowing for sure that you have peace with God, that your salvation is secure in Christ, that you have believed and repented of your sin. Can you just imagine what your life would feel like for many of you? Can you imagine what your life would feel like in 10 minutes from now, it could all change. In 10 minutes, you could walk out of this gathering. In 10 minutes from now, you could log off of watching online. And in 10 minutes from now, you could live the rest of your life, not only with an assurance of salvation, but a loving relationship with your heavenly father through Jesus Christ, his son. You get more than eternal life. You get abundant life when you get Jesus. So I want to invite those of you that are ready to respond to the gospel right now to pray. Just believe, just believe that God loves you, that Jesus died for you, that he's raised from the dead. Believe it, tell him. Pray this in your heart right now to him. Because I do believe that for somebody, this is gonna be your last opportunity. I'll say it again. I believe for somebody, this might be the last chance you have. Whether you live another day or another year, another 10 years, this might be the last opportunity that you have to give your life to Jesus. Don't miss it, it's too good to miss. Pray this to him right now if you are ready to nail it down and be saved for real. Pray it in your heart quietly. Jesus hears your prayer. Pray this to him. Jesus, I invite you in my life. I repent of my sin. I give you control. I believe in you, Jesus. With all my heart, I give you my eternity. I put all my faith in you and I will follow you. Help me be your disciple. 
I don't have to be afraid anymore. I'm going to give you 10 seconds with your eyes closed and your hearts open. If you just prayed that prayer to Jesus, take 10 seconds and tell him how much you love him. I'll be quiet. You talk to him for 10 seconds on your own. Tell him how much you appreciate him saving you. Now, with your eyes closed and your hearts open, I'm going to ask everybody watching online and at one of our campuses. Nobody's looking. I'm looking, but I can only see this room. I'm going to ask you, if you just prayed to receive Christ, I'm not going to make you do anything beyond this. I can't do that, but I want to ask you to do something. I want you to publicly affirm that you just responded to the good news of the gospel. And with your eyes closed and your hearts open, at all of our campuses, and watching online, if you just pray to receive Christ, would you do something real simple? Just raise your hand right up above your head right now. Raise it. I want to see it. I want to see it, at least in this room. Raise them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Because, you know, I want to count. I want to stir faith in this room. One, two, three, four, five. Keep them up, please. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Let me look in the balcony. 13. That's just in this room. Everybody open your eyes and look at me for a moment. Just in this room, 13 people have nailed down their salvation to say, I am assured that Jesus is for me, with me, and in me. Now here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. We want you to take another step when our gatherings are over, we'll have people that can pray with you and somebody will help lead you with that. But I want to invite you before I pray and we, and we go to what's next, if you just prayed to receive Christ, I want you to take out your phone and I want you to text the word Jesus to 30303. That is, if you're old enough to remember, that is our red phone in the commissioner's office that rings straight to the bat cave. And it's not Batman that picks up this number, it's Jesus. And if you just prayed to receive Christ, text Jesus to 30303. Do it right now. We'll send you a text back. And as soon as you get that text, if you'll open it and just respond, just by letting us know that little bit of information, we will be ready to baptize you, to get you plugged into a group, to get you connected to community. Because now that you're saved, you're like a baby and now you need to grow. I'm going to pray and we're going to celebrate salvation and we're going to see God do it again in our next gathering. Jesus, we glorify you for your salvation. Father, we honor you for the love that you pour out on your children. And Spirit, we tell you thank you that you have just stirred hearts and drawn people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Satan, you have lost another multitude to the kingdom of God. You'll never get them back. They belong to Jesus. They have eternal security. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.